Hello, and welcome to Labor, Leisure, Love. My name is Jordan Donahue, and I am your host. On this podcast, I invite guests to discuss the building blocks of modern life. How do we work, play, and love? Today's installment will be a bit different from my planned format. That is because today you are getting just me. I am going to give you a foundation of what I think about labor, leisure, and love. I will also tell you a little bit about myself. So, let's get into it. Labor, leisure, love. What do these words even mean, and what do they have in common besides starting with the letter L? Well, to start off, they are topics that I think about constantly and believe to be incredibly important. Before this podcast takes off with interviews galore, I want to take this opportunity to give you some background information on myself. My name is Jordan Donahue. I use she, her pronouns, and I am 29 years old. I live in upstate New York, but I have lived in six states all across the U.S. I grew up in a household with lesbian moms who are now divorced and one sister. My life has been weird and unique, and I will definitely cover that more in depth at some point. As for my professional qualifications, I have a bachelor's degree in history. During my time in college, I took a lot of courses about work and or labor, capitalism, gender studies, human rights, and how all these themes come together to shape our current world. That is history, how we understand the present by analyzing the converging experiences of past people and events. And honestly, I loved it. I have always been fond of history ever since I took my first real American history class in the seventh grade. When I say real history class, I mean the first time I was present in a classroom where the teacher taught, or at least attempted to teach to the best of my memory, the truth of American history. As you may or may not know, dear listener, the American public school system has long taught young people complete falsehoods, with perhaps the most malicious being the story of Thanksgiving, as a good example. But this history class was not at all like that. Mrs. Nickerson, 7th grade history teacher at Lionville Middle School, if you ever hear this, I want to let you know that your class transformed me from an apathetic, distracted 12-year-old into a student who came to class actually interested and enthusiastic about the topic. That class taught me that history is about context. It's about telling stories that are true. It's about how we got to where we are now. So that enthusiasm for truthful storytelling has continued into my adult life. Before completing my bachelor's degree at 28 years old, I also completed a professional theater training program at Circle in the Square Theater School in New York City. Though it might seem different, studying theater in that environment proved to me just how important it was to be truthful, to be authentic, and to have a voice. Today, I am combining all these skills into a podcast. Finally. The truth is that I stopped myself from pursuing this goal I have had for so long. I have been wanting to produce a podcast for years, but I wouldn't allow myself to do it. I came up with hundreds of reasons. Too many people already have podcasts. I don't really know how podcasts work. I need a quote-unquote real job, and until I have one of those, I can't really justify the time that would be spent producing something creative. And I was embarrassed about people I know listening to what I had created and criticizing me. For so many reasons, I have pushed away my inspiration and my chance at joy that would come from creating something like this. But as almost all divine interventions go, I saw a post on Instagram recently that said, quote, I grieve all the art that isn't made because of exhausting muggle jobs, end quote. 
If you don't know what a muggle is, it's a Harry Potter word. I'm sure you can Google it. This was posted by user at inspired to write. It was part of a carousel that had other similar phrases such as, I grieve all the art that isn't seen because of imposter syndrome. I grieve all the art that isn't made because of perfectionism. I grieve all the art that isn't made because the market is saturated. I grieve all the art that isn't made because it's too late. This post hit me so hard. Almost every single one of my excuses was there glaring me in the face. But something new arose, something that I had not considered. I had not grieved. I felt sad. I felt sorry for myself. I felt sorry for myself as a way of justifying the real reason that could exist behind all these because statements. I had not grieved because part of me had not given up on the idea of creating. When I was younger, I wanted very seriously to be a performer. As I got older, I realized that I desired a more balanced life. But in that journey toward balance and inner peace, I left behind a very real and valid piece of myself that wanted to think and feel deeply, that wanted to discuss those thoughts and feelings and ultimately share all of these insights publicly, a piece of myself that wanted to create. So that's how I got here, 29 years old, feeling like I was still unable to do the one thing my heart clung to. So, after reading that post, I realized that I had a choice. I could consciously grieve and resign myself to be a person who never even tried to go after what my heart wanted, who never created, who never pushed myself past the discomfort of creating, or I could jump in head first and just try to do it. Just get one episode done. And I cannot tell you the relief I feel in my heart as I record this, knowing that yes, I did already accomplish my goal of just releasing one episode, and that, <laughs> that already dispels about half of my irrational fears. Full disclosure, I am an adult woman with ADHD, and so completing things is actually not one of my strongest skills. But boy, am I an idea factory. I have saved the world from extinction about a thousand times with all the good ideas in my head, and expect to be applauded for those efforts, even if they only exist in my imagination. Now, this is the part where I own up to some stuff. <sighs> Deep breath. I am a failed hobby collector. The amount of hobbies I have come up with and decided to make my personality are innumerable. Have I continued many of them? No. Do I feel immense shame about that? Yes. The same can be said for jobs. I have rarely had a consistent job which was a job that I enjoyed and actually provided me with a living wage. Mostly, I have worked on farms, taught English and writing, done cleaning and childcare. I do genuinely view all of these previous positions as being meaningful. They contribute at least somehow to something positive in the world. They get children cared for. They teach people necessary skills like being able to communicate in different places, being able to express themselves in written language, giving people food, providing nourishment to communities. However, these jobs have not been all that personally fulfilling to me. Looking at it all now, I don't think that lack of fulfillment was because of the jobs per se, but because of my inability to balance the building blocks of modern life and the topics of this podcast, labor, leisure, and love. Let's bring it all back to the beginning. 
labor, leisure, and love. These are all the things I have struggled with immensely. When I have worked full-time, I have not been good at feeding myself. When I have been good at feeding myself, I haven't been able to find anything else that I can do in my free time to have fun. And I have been exploring my understanding of love for years. And finally, I'm grateful to announce, I have been in a wonderful supportive relationship for the last year. I hope you will allow me, dear listener, to expand upon these topics in ways that feel liberating and not limiting. That is why I'm going to provide some definitions for you right now. The purpose of this is to set up a baseline. This is how we in the English speaking world have chosen to define labor, leisure, and love. I once had a mentor who would say, through form there is freedom. He also said that I should dig one 10 foot deep hole instead of 10 one foot deep holes, which is a piece of advice I still struggle with to this day. This sounds like a topic to unpack in an upcoming episode for this podcast, but for now, through form there is freedom is the advice we are building on. And the form for this podcast comes from the official definitions for labor, leisure, and love. From there, I can invite my guests to run wild with me into hopefully uncharted territories of thought regarding these really juicy words. The Oxford English Dictionary, also known as the OED, defines the term labor in two ways. First, as a noun, meaning the bodily or mental exertion, particularly when difficult, painful, or compulsory. Hard work, toil. As a verb, it means to perform physical or mental labor, to exert oneself physically or mentally, to work. Doesn't the OED know that you're not supposed to use the word itself in the definition of said word? Anyway, it's interesting that here in this definition, it highlights the term labor as being specifically difficult. Next, the OED defines the term leisure as a noun meaning the state of having time at one's own disposal, time which one can spend as one pleases, free or unoccupied time. The verb form is to have or enjoy leisure. Again, why is the term in the definition? I guess the OED is assuming when you're looking at each term that you are looking at all the parts of speech at once. Now, unsurprisingly, the OED provides eight definitions of the word love. As a noun, love is a feeling or disposition of deep affection or fondness for someone, typically arising from a recognition of attractive qualities. There is more to this definition, but I cannot see it because even when I register for their free account, it will not show the expanded definition. Gotta love that. Well, those are the institutional definitions of our key terms. I am really looking forward to hearing all the ways my future guests agree and disagree with these definitions. I have shared a little bit of my personal experience with work and how unsatisfying it has been. Currently, I am unemployed, which is difficult, and yet it has given me a lot more time to confront the vast void that exists in my life because of my lack of discipline and inspiration for hobbies and career. Although I do feel a little bit like Ben from Parks and Recreation, who in his period of unemployment throws all his energy into making a claymation movie for weeks, only for it to be a few seconds long. Currently, my biggest hobby is rock climbing or bouldering. Not outside on real rocks, I'm not ready for that kind of adventure yet, but I have a membership to a nearby rock climbing climbing gym, where I go pretty much every other day. I have been consistently climbing since February of this year. It is now halfway through October and I have gone from the most beginner level to being a very solid V3 climber. For those unfamiliar with bouldering grades, that's like towards the top level of beginner, making my way towards intermediate. But if you ask me, I am a professional. 
trigger warning for the rest of this section. I am about to recount a story that involves death, a visit to the emergency room, surgery, recovery, and body dysmorphia slash eating disorders. Earlier this year, I spent a few months living at my biological mom's house in Texas. At that time, her husband had just passed away and I went there to support her while she went through a very significant life change. About two weeks after I arrived in Texas, I went to the emergency room in the middle of the night. I had been having terrible stomach and back pain, problems with digestion, and generally feeling incredibly shitty for weeks. The week leading up to that, I had a fever of over 101 for days. The year leading up to that hospital visit was filled with similar bouts of digestive distress. My mom brought me to the emergency room that night at about 3 a.m., and by 11 a.m. the next morning, I was being prepped for a surgery to have my gallbladder removed. It was honestly terrifying. I had never had surgery in my life, and before that day, I didn't even know what a gallbladder was. If you don't know what a gallbladder is, I encourage you to look it up, because this is not a science podcast, and I'm sure the internet can explain it to you in a much more concrete and factual way than I ever will. To sum it up, I had a severe infection and inflammation of my gallbladder that was beginning to spread to my other organs. This infection could have killed me, but luckily, I survived. I tell this story because if these two events had not happened at the beginning of this year, I am not sure I would have started doing any of the things I am doing on a regular basis now that bring me so much joy, like rock climbing. After about a two-week recovery, I was able to move and walk and exercise again. I had long been slacking on my exercise since farming and dancing were no longer integrated into my routine after graduating from college. After this surgery, I felt so bad about my body. I had gotten a Fitbit the previous Christmas and the data it logged on my phone after the first two months of the year was dismal. I would look at it and I would immediately feel horrible about myself, even though I knew emergency surgery was literally not my fault. I needed to take time to recover. But part of me secretly hoped that having my gallbladder removed would mean that I would lose weight easily. Part of me hoped it would help me change my diet and my habits. Part of me feared that it would mean I would gain a ton of weight. I was very preoccupied with the super official aspects of my health and not the fact that I was recovering from a serious health trauma. After weeks of feeling bad for myself, I decided to go check out a rock climbing gym that was nearby. I climbed and felt my heart reconnecting with my body. After I left that day, my arms were exhausted, but I felt good for the first time in maybe over a year. My body felt good. My mind felt good. I felt stronger. For the rest of my time in Texas, I got into a routine of going climbing and using it as an opportunity to love my body and what it could do. When I finally came back home to New York, I challenged myself to make a commitment. If I could go climbing at least once a week for a month straight, I could get a membership to the climbing gym. And by the end of August, I had fulfilled this commitment and now I am officially a member. While this may not seem like much of an accomplishment, for me to find something I am excited about, make a promise to myself to do it on a regular basis, and then commit to that regularity with my money is a huge deal. I cannot tell you how many times I have done this and bailed, how many dollars have been wasted and opportunities squandered by my enthusiasm and lack of follow through. I wanted to share this story because I felt a big shift in myself this year. I made more promises to myself than ever 
before, and I delivered on those promises. I have made deliberate and genuine progress in a hobby that I love, an activity that I do as a form of leisure that also provides me with exercise, physical and emotional strength, excitement, and the inspiration to continue. I could not have done this without the support of my mom when I needed it after having surgery. Maybe sometimes in order for us to find out what we really love, we have to allow ourselves to be loved even if we aren't really comfortable with that. That ends the narrative portion of today's episode. Before I say goodbye, I want to discuss some logistical things. First, I am new to this and I want to feel free to make changes and adjustments as I see fit. That being said, I'm not sure that I like this title. I might get rid of the 3L and just call it Labor, Leisure, Love. Next, I am still navigating the world of audio interfaces. I don't have a studio, I just have my computer and a bunch of different microphones. But it is my goal to provide clean audio because honestly, I cannot listen to podcasts with poor audio. I promise, I am working on it. Finally, I have not decided on an upload schedule. I would love to be consistent and provide a weekly episode, but in order for that to happen, I need to develop a bank of recorded interviews. My goal is to have a rotation of releases, an interview on labor, then leisure, then love. After each set of three, I think it would be good to give myself a solo episode like this one. Coming down the line, I have plans to record the next two interviews later this week. I don't know how long it will take me to edit each of these, and until I get a better sense of that timeline, I cannot definitively announce any kind of schedule. It is my intention to approach this endeavor with the utmost generosity for myself, to set a precedent for this podcast to be a place of generative thought and authentic ease. So, I appreciate your patience as I navigate the concrete and ineffable qualities of this project. That is all I have to share for this episode. I hope this gave you a sense of who I am, why I wanted to start this podcast, and what I hope to do with it in the future. Until next time, I am Jordan Donahue, and this has been Labor, Leisure, Love.